We're already trying to overcome the dehydration effects of flying and maybe not drinking enough water. Alcohol and caffeine is just going to like double down on the dehydration. If you have anxiety, the alcohol and caffeine are just going to ramp up that anxious feeling. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to episode 180 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee and I have my beautiful sister Lauren across the country tuning in with me today. Hello, hello. So we thought we'd mix things up. I'm going to throw a little pop question at you to kick things off today. Uh What was your aura readiness score today? (laughs) That's what biohackers ask. What a nightmare to be asked on the spot. (laughs) Okay, I am traveling. And so a lot of my recent travel, I've been doing a lot of it because I'm following Jeremy around on his tour. And that has inspired this podcast, but also I'm really trying to hone in and and live these things like walk my walk, talk my talk. And I didn't think that I slept that great last night, but I had a readiness of 90 and I had a crown and I was pretty proud of that. That's amazing. Especially when we get into the first night effect, what happens when we sleep and travel. So congratulations. I feel like there should be a cue scary music when you say first night effect. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to explain that what that is because I'm a victim of the first night effect. That is for sure. Like if you look it up in the dictionary, I'm pretty sure my name and my face is there. So readiness yes. of 90. I did something right last night. So in preparation for this podcast, I was thinking I got to do X, Y, and Z, all of these things. And it worked. So yeah, how is that for a kickoff for the podcast? This stuff works. We're going to get this into stuff it. works. Yes. Well, well you, your readiness. Yeah, you beat me by two points. My readiness was oh. 88. But my sleep score was 90, which is also really exciting because uh, friends of ours in the biohacking space, they gave me two sleep supplements to try. There's no label. I don't know the ingredients. They said, this is A and this is B. And they said, one of them is the Ferrari of sleep supplements, but I don't know which is which. And so (gasps) I did A a couple of weeks ago. And then last night I did B and I slept great on both. So I'm so curious to find out which one is the Ferrari. (laughs) What is the next step? I have to tell them. How do you find out? Okay. So I'm going to send them all my sleep stats. The reason I had to do it weeks apart is because I really wanted to control every variable possible to see really if it made a difference. And my aura shows both nights were pretty good. So stay tuned on that. But you always sleep well. Yeah. So that'll that'll be the magic. Was there really a dramatic difference for you? Because I think you sleep pretty well most of the time. Yeah. I will say, I think my sleep efficiency was really good both nights because, you know, for me, I find like my best sleep is when I can get, be in bed for nine hours. But both of these nights, I was actually in bed for about eight hours and my sleep efficiency was really high. So I think that's the key, right? Mm, Yes. Sleep efficiency. I just had someone ask me earlier today, how many hours do you suggest? Seven? I love that question. And I think, well... What about your sleep architecture, your staging, all the stuff you you heard us talk about with sleep? It's the, the efficiency. And I always think about Dr. Michael Bruce. I wanted to say Matthew. Dr. Michael Bruce, correct? Yeah. You're sleep thinking doctor. Matthew Walker. Matthew, Matthew Walker, Walker. Michael, Michael Bruce. Bruce. Oh, they're so close. 
Dr. Bruce talks about how he actually has really increased his sleep efficiency, but reduced his total time in bed. And that's amazing. If you can just get the most efficiency possible, you could potentially reduce your total hours down to just throwing something out six hours, potentially. Right, right. That's what Dave Asprey says he's done six hours, but it's different for everyone. So, okay. So I can't wait. So you had a great sleep and good readiness and I beat you by two points. Like we're in basketball. So I'm proud of that. Yes. (laughs) Only time. doesn't happen very often folks. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Crowns all around today for winners. Winners. Yeah. Yeah. So what a great topic today, how to stay healthy while traveling. You are like our example of the day while you're traveling so much, but we've been getting a lot of questions. I think, you know, now post pandemic, people are traveling more and they're saying, I kind of fall off the wagon when I'm traveling. How do I stay healthy? How do I keep my immune system strong? How do I bypass the first night effect of sleeping in a new place? All these things. So I think we are going to talk about the challenges that we all face when traveling. We're going to share our top tips of what we do and what we have found has worked. But before we jump into that, I wanted to share some fun statistics about how traveling can actually benefit our health. So don't I don't want people to have this mindset of like, oh, when I travel, I'm not going to be as healthy. Wrong. So here's some fun statistics I found. So maybe, (laughs) maybe potentially, potentially. So number one, traveling is good for relationships. So a study found that 52% of people stated that their connection with their loved one improved during a vacation. I know maybe traveling with a loved one can be challenging for some people, but I thought that was interesting. Potentially can make Mm -hmm. you stronger, right? Couples that travel together, stay together. So that's a good one. What Potentially, (laughs) that's going to be the caveat after all. Yeah, I, I remember I heard this uh, marriage advice. Before you get married, go on a vacation with your significant other. So good learning That's lesson the only there. thing you do. Yeah. All right, what else? So people are 30% more likely to have a heart attack if they go five years without a vacation. Oh my goodness, please do not go Ooh. five years without a vacation. That's too long. Mm-hmm. I actually, when I was on a retreat in Costa Rica a couple of weeks ago, I met this girl from Switzerland and we were talking about the differences between you know, Americans and Europeans. And one thing was she was like, what is with Americans? They don't always travel. They don't take their time off. Said, yeah, a lot of people, they'll they'll get two weeks paid off, paid time off and they don't want to even use it. And she was like, oh, well, you know, where I'm from, we take a month off every summer. So interesting differences there. Yeah, well, it's built into the culture. It's not built into our culture. There's no, I guess, agreed upon time where everyone should be taking off. Even in the summertime, I think because so many people work different schedules, there's no longer a summertime. We're all going to take off vacation, go to the beach. There's no one holding us accountable. It's just the way that our culture is. So unfortunately, we have to create those boundaries and take it for ourselves because our culture is not going to go, you look like you need to take some time (laughs) off. No, our culture is going to go, keep working, keep working. Yeah. So take care of yourselves. What else? Vacations can improve performance by 80%. So again, shows the importance of taking a break. And then also when taking a vacation, you are exposed to different environments. And we know that that can be really helpful for our immune system, right? So you've probably heard about kids that have grown up playing in the dirt or living on a farm. They're exposed to a lot of like animal dander, things like that. They tend to have better immune function and less allergies. So same Mm -hmm. thing, the more we travel, the more we're exposed to, it actually can create a stronger immune system. So the more we stay hibernating at home, not good for our immune system. We want to get out and about and expose our bodies to different things. So that's just a few highlights of why we should be traveling. That's why I travel with my dog. He's my little immune booster exposure to microbes that I wouldn't be exposed to just if I was an isolated human traveling alone. 
He does sleep in my bed. You know, I wipe off his paws before he gets into the bed, but cuddling with yes. him because he carries his own set of bacteria. And sure, some people could be totally skeeved out by that, but I welcome it. And I think we both stay healthy because of it. I don't know. How often do you see dogs like get a cold? Never. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like one, we get the oxytocin and the cuddle. So he is fully welcomed there, even when he's snoring and keeping me a little bit alert, decreasing my sleep efficiency from time to time. But I am all about more microbes to support the immune system. Yeah. That's the nice thing about dogs. You can always travel with them. Well, not always, but most of the time. Well, I can now. Versus cats. He's a service animal. He comes on the plane with me. Yeah. <laughs> he's the cutest service animal. Okay, great. So we know there's a lot of health benefits from traveling, but what we hear all the time from our clients and from our listeners is, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm going to follow my plan. I'm going to eat terribly. I'm going to gain all the weight that I've been working so hard to keep off or to lose. I'm going to get sick. It's stressful. Yeah. These are real challenges. So we wanted to kind of go through the common challenges and then address them with these hacks, but we just want to make sure we're really strategic. So I think this is just personal opinion. Biggest <laughs> challenges that come up for myself and what I hear a lot is just being so tired, being off of your sleep schedule and not sleeping the night before, I think is like the most present opportunity and challenge. A lot of people say, I will sleep on the plane. And sure, there are some people that sleep really well on the plane, but I would argue how good is that sleep efficiency if you're not sleeping the night before, which we know you're probably missing out on deep sleep, that rest and recovery the detoxification of your brain, the lymphatic system going through optimal sleep staging, like completing your sleep cycles, it's not going to happen on a plane. And so we miss out on this huge opportunity there. And it's going to affect poor glucose control, where it's going to lead to poor mood, which leads to poor decisions. And this is like a big segue into the rest of the podcast is how can we set ourselves up for better decision-making while traveling? I think it's a domino effect. So we have to make sure that very first domino stays in place. We're not kickstarting the cascade of dominoes falling. Mm-hmm. Second big one is poor food choices, not just while you're on the plane and in the airport, but also when you land, there's a lot of unknowns depending on who you're traveling with, where you're going, have you been there before? So we're going to push for research planning ahead. And we have some really potent strategies for what you can do at least while you're at the airport on the plane. So we will get into that. And third thing that I see a lot of is just travel anxiety. And that certainly was kicked up through the pandemic. But I think a lot of people have been anxious about flying for a long time. This is nothing new. There's a lot of unknowns. I certainly get it. I've flown a million times, but all the steps that you have to go through and all the luck that you have to have for everything to go right at the airport can certainly kick up a lot of things. And then you're on a plane with strangers, reduced air quality. You know, it's uncomfortable. There's just so much that could kick our body into fight or flight and away from that parasympathetic rest and digest where we really thrive. And now that we want to be parasympathetic all of the time, but we want that balance and we want to have that autonomic control that Dr. Jay Wiles talks about so much. So we're going to give you some hacks to, to really find that resiliency and control so you can feel in control of your travel. Yeah, for sure. I definitely have a little bit more of that like pre-travel anxiety. So yeah, we'll talk about some hacks for that. <laughs> I saw your, your breath just got uh, shorter. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I can feel it deep in my body. Rising, bubbling up. <laughs> And then sleeping. So as we kind of alluded to in the beginning, the first night effect. So if you're not familiar with this term, it is literally your first night when you're traveling, you don't sleep as well. So if you have experienced that, yes, do not feel like you're alone. Even me, like I'm a great sleeper, but that first night in like a strange hotel or house, your nervous system is actually trying to protect you. So you might find like you sleep a little bit lighter. Thank your body for that. It may be a little bit annoying, but it's saying, I'm not sure if I'm in a safe place yet. 
So you're a little bit on high alert. So you're a little bit more sympathetically driven during the night. So some hacks to overcome that for sure. I Um, love the call out on gratitude for that. It's so funny. I'm thinking, I've learned so much in my six years of psychotherapy with my therapist. We do internal family systems. So it's always recognizing your parts and then thanking them for the job that they've done well, like well done. And a lot of these parts is they're just trying to protect you. We're all in survival mode. That is the adaptation and the survival of the human species. We have all of these different parts to protect us and keep us safe. So I love that you said, let's thank it. Thank you for keeping me safe and looking out for me. This is a really critical piece of survival. Now that we've gotten past the gratitude, what could we do to put in place to make sure that you can get to sleep? Because it's crucial, crucial. Yeah. And and that's my practice for 2023 is learning to be grateful for the things that on the surface, we don't think we would be grateful for. So that's what I'm practicing this year. So you might hear that a lot throughout the podcast in 2023. I love that. I'm very excited for this. Yes. Other things that happen, dehydration, constipation, tummy troubles. So vacation constipation, it is a real thing. And I, fortunately, I don't suffer from that, but I know a lot of friends, family, clients that do. And the reason for that is just there's you know, we say regularity, right? There's not really regularity when you're traveling. Your body, again, it's like trying to protect itself. It doesn't know when it's going to get to a bathroom. It doesn't know what schedule you're on. You're eating a different time. You're waking a different time. So it's like, let's just shut that down temporarily because we're not really sure what's going to happen. But so we can definitely overcome some of that as well. And the dehydration, especially if you're flying because of the altitude, the dry air, we just get dehydrated faster. And then the other thing I find is people, again, are afraid to drink too much water, right? The fear of, I don't know, what if I'm in the window seat on the plane? I don't want to be going to the bathroom every hour. That's why I sit in the aisle seat. But we want to make sure we're drinking plenty of water. You'll be okay. So you want to make sure you're overcoming the possible dehydration problem. But I love the opportunity of being at the window seat and having to climb over people or to wake people up and be really forward and confident in what you need and then getting your steps in walking to the bathroom. You know, there could be some benefits from having to pee more frequently while flying. So yeah. annoying. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, I just want to get up and stretch. So I'll seat for the win for me. Another big struggle is, you know, you're not cooking your own food. So we'll talk about some hacks of how to still stick with your nutrition plan while traveling. But yes, of course, you're not in your own kitchen. You're not necessarily doing all your own grocery shopping. That is a real struggle. And then a lot of people find like they don't have their go-to gym. So maybe you love your CrossFit or like I love my Orange Theory Fitness. A lot of times when you're traveling, you don't have access to that, but that is a-okay. We'll talk about some biohacks for that. Awesome. You want to jump in? Flying? Yeah. Let's start with flying. Flying. Yes. We fly a lot and we've tried a lot of things. So let's jump into some of our favorite biohacks there. I would say number one, you know, obviously when we're flying at such a high altitude, we are exposed to more radiation. You know, I think of it, it's like we're putting ourselves in this little microwave for however many hours. I know there are some statistics that have compared cross-country flights to like the number of chest x-rays to show it's Mm -hmm. a significant exposure. So, and that's okay. But so some things we can do to offset that. Number one is some EMF protective clothing. I love our lambs gear. So we have our, our lambs shirts, lambs hat, lambs beanie. They also just came out with a zip up hoodie. Um, I pre-ordered that. I can't wait to get that because that'll just be like a really nice thing to throw on top. Easier, I think, to travel with. So something like that where you're just kind of putting your body in this little cocoon to protect you from the radiation. Yeah, I love my lambs. And 
it also just, re- I'm all about reducing decision fatigue here. And so if I have something that I know is going to be protective to me and easy and comfortable, which it is I'm like, that is my flying outfit. I'm just going to throw on my lamb's t-shirt. I don't have the hoodie yet, but I'm going to get that lamb's t-shirt and my beanie and I'm set. So one less decision to make two comfortable and three, you, we've taken that extra step to protect yourself ahead of time. So we have to do less damage control in the back end of flying. Yeah. If you ever see me at the airport, I'm always in the same outfit. So there's she easy. There's oh, she she's got the same black shirt on. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We can look at a lot of the most successful people in the world and their wardrobe, their closet is full of same, 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 same. Okay. Yep. Decision fatigue gone. And I would actually add one other thing with the radiation piece. So something that we know is really helpful here is spirulina. And Lauren and I really like the Energy Bits algae tabs. They have the chlorella and spirulina tabs. These are really great for a couple reasons. One, you can kind of use them during a fast. I mean, they do have a little bit of protein, so it potentially offsets the autophagy. But I think it definitely gives your digestive system a break, which we want when we're flying. But they're super nutrient dense. And we know spirulina can actually protect the body from radiation. And you can just do like a little handful, put them in a little travel tin, another thing for radiation. Yes, I love those travel tins. I'm glad you reminded me of that. I haven't had those on my person traveling in a while. So, and I love that combo with the Mac nuts, macadamia nuts, which <gasps> Catherine always recommends. My so crunch good. offsets the, the greeny grassy taste that comes with the spirulina because not everyone loves that. So it's a good combo. Yeah. And you can just swallow them if you really hate the taste. Again, easier than traveling with like a greens powder that you got to mix in water. I don't even bother with that when I'm traveling, to be honest. I still do. I still have my baggie of all my little powders and they just sit there forever because they're just not super functional. So at some point yeah. I got a clean house and re-minimalize. <laughs> re Yeah, got it. <laughs> all right, that's another good one. Another thing I do, I look like a crazy person when I fly. Like my husband's always like taking pictures and sending it to friends. I'm like, can you stop please? But I am the one that have, I have a neck pillow, I have an eye mask, and then I have my headphones. I am just like in a total bubble when I travel. I don't want to hear the screaming kids. I want to be supported by my neck. And then the eye mask is just great. Even if I'm not sleeping, even if I'm just meditating, and we'll talk about some hacks for that, it's just like it shuts out off all the noise because noise pollution is very stressful on the body. And mm-hmm. traveling is stressful. So again, minimizing any extra stress. So noise pollution. All right, we have some superlatives. I'm going to vote you for most likely to look insane on the airplane. Although you travel with your brain tap on the plane. So, hmm. I do. It's walking advertising. I've had lots of people ask me about brain tap and hopefully some sales have come from that and supported the company. People are always like, what is that thing? It's awesome. Yeah. But I agree, neck pillow, because I really think that airplane seats are not ergonomic. They put your head in this forward position. So I take my neck pillow and I usually rest it on the side slash front diagonal. And I will do a little bit of a head, a lateral head lean, or just allow my chin to rest just a little bit down rather than putting it behind me, which just then puts my head even more forward. Your head is a bowling ball. It is a lot of weight up here. It's 12 to 16 pounds. And if it is just slightly off its axis, you are creating a cascade of stress down the spine into the body. So we don't want that. We want to eliminate that stress as much as possible keep a nice vertical spine while you're flying. Yes, the brain tap is great too. I find if you don't want to travel with that, because sometimes you know you have all these bags and things, it's a lot to carry. I will just use an app. I really like Brain FM because you can actually download a bunch of tracks before you take off. That way you don't need internet access. And there's different tracks for like meditation, guided or unguided. 
relaxation, sleep. And it's just this like really gentle beat and music in your ears to calm your nervous system. So Brain FM's great. Brain Tap too, if you have that, you actually don't even need the headset. You can just plug in regular headphones and listen to the same track. You'll still get the music, obviously not the lights, but the music is still beneficial. Yeah, I love that. I would say my top ones here are any oral, any audio stuff, like you mentioned, using Authorship uh, quite a bit these days. I love it. I just think it's like cool and sexy and interesting and really scientific. I will make sure that I have tracks downloaded. This is the worst. When I forget to download my audio and I get on there and I have nothing to listen to, I'm like, oh, I've lost. <laughs> As the plane's taking off, you're like, download, download, please go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pray. So the Othership breathwork tracks, and sometimes you could feel a little silly doing intense breath work on the plane, but sometimes I just use it as a meditation and it really keeps my nervous system quite calm. And the Hanu, I'm traveling now with my Hanu and I just love that for accountability and just to check in where my nervous system is. What's my HRV doing while I'm flying? Is the radio, radiation affecting it? Is just my <laughs> lack of sleep or lack of planning or anxiety from going through the airport and dealing with idiots, <laughs> strangers? What is it doing? Because if I know what it's doing, then I have an opportunity to make a change through breath work. And I'm just so obsessed with the train function on the Hanu. One minute of breath can upregulate your HRV and strengthen your nervous system. It is incredible how quick and easy that breath work is on the train function. So loving my Hanu these days. Yeah. And that although, keeps me really calm. Yeah. You can't wear it through security though, I found out. It always sets off the machine. I found that out as well. Yeah. And then you're in the middle of this airport security taking off your chest heart rate strap. It's like very Don't awkward. Look. Yeah. <laughs> and the TSA is just like, what in the world is she doing? So just yeah. wait till you get through security to put it on. Yes. Yes. I learned that lesson the hard way as well. And my brain tap. So I have the brain tap. I mentioned that. I just think that is the easiest way to kind of check out, block the noise pollution get a nap in because I'm not someone that can just tune out and fall asleep. Like Jeremy, he sits on the plane and he is out, 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 out. I'm pretty sensitive to light, noise pollution, what's going around me, the unknowns and the brain tap is just like that warm safety cocoon protective mechanism that you mentioned. So I love the light, the audio, and I think any time of day. So if I'm flying into the evening when I would be sleeping, I can use that to get myself into Delta, get some sleep in, or if I need it to wake up, depending on where I'm going, what I need to do when I land, I can use it as an upregulation or a downregulation. It's fairly easy to pack if that's the, you know, if I am going to pack a biohacking technology piece, that's the one thing that always makes the cut. We've talked about that before. It's a winner in both of our books. For sure. If you had to pick one from this list, what would it be? To keep it simple for everyone, I would just say headphones. Like everyone oh, yeah. owns headphones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many times I've, I've been flying with Ryan and he's like, oh, I forgot my headphones. I'm like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> sorry, bye. <laughs> yeah, and most of them have that older jack. So if you have the newer iPhone, Apple jack, it's not going to fit. Every now and then you get lucky and the flight attendant walks down the, the aisle with the headphones. Headphones, headphones. I'm like, give me those. <laughs> they still them. do that? I thought that was like lost in the 90s. Oh, no. It well, I fly Southwest. Weeks ago. Okay. It happened. They still do it. But yeah, I would agree. Headphones. And don't forget to download your tracks because as soon as you lose service, most chances are that you're not going to have those audio tracks. Yeah. So would you say that's yours too? Headphones? Yeah, but I'll just go a step further and make sure you have the downloaded Othership or Hanu. Those are my two go-tos. And if you can 
get the brain tap, another step up, a little more of a financial commitment. Fabulous. Because also once you land and you're in your new place, great for naps, great for just tuning out, no matter what your environment is or what, what's going on. Hey, biohackers, did you know the use of silver actually has a long history and has been used by many ancient civilizations as a means to not only maintain health, but to preserve food and beverages? Before the mainstream discovery and acceptance of antibiotics in the early 1900s, silver was used in hospitals and is actually still used today. Silver has generally gotten a really bad reputation. Maybe you've heard the scary claims from the blue man that took too much silver. Well, quantity and especially quality really matter here. So most silver supplementation on the market is ionic silver, and it is unsafe for the body if used in high quantities. This is why we really love silver soul technology. It's not ionic, and it's a true colloidal silver, which is a nanoparticle coated by a silver oxide. What you really need to remember is that it's more effective, more efficient at lower parts per million. Silver Soul technology is 10 to 33 parts per million, where other companies have up to 3,000 parts per million. The takeaway, more is not better. Yeah, and Silver Biotics actually has a range of products, but we especially love their immune-specific line. The Silver Soul technology has a natural way of targeting invaders without the side effects. This uses multiple modes of action on how it actually targets invaders, and it uses the natural elements to kind of trick the body, so to speak, and then it kickstarts the immune system. Yes, I love these natural defenses. So it actually came to the rescue to me the other day. I was feeling a little run down and at the end of my luteal phase. So for my ladies, that is when we are the most vulnerable. So I took a few doses, and a day later, I was feeling pretty brand new. I was just so grateful that I had this stuff on hand. And guess what? I'm still not blue. I can confirm that she is not blue. (laughs) (laughs) And either am I. And I've had a similar experience. It really kind of saved the day for me. And on top of the immune line, we have some other products from them that we love. Their skincare, like their healing skin cream, the anti-aging facial serum, and then their oral care. The whitening toothpaste is amazing. I call myself a toothpaste snob. I have tried all the natural ones. And usually when they're really clean toothpaste, they don't work well. But this one is incredible. You know what? I think my teeth are turning blue. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) That's what the whitening toothpaste is for. Actually, I love the toothpaste too. We get sent a lot of different brands of toothpaste to try. And I have to say, I'm never usually a fan, but this one is a clear winner in my book. I'm definitely going to continue it. And to wrap things up, they also have the wound care product and they have pet care products for all the animal lovers out there like Lauren and I. Meow. <laughs> Surprised you didn't woof. Woof. <laughs> so if you want to check out the products from Silver Biotics, you can head over to silverbiotics.com and make sure you use discount code biohackerbabes at checkout to save some money. We will put the link to their website and the discount code in the show notes for today's episode. All right, let's get back to the show. On top of everything to bring, I would say something I really recommend avoiding when you're flying is alcohol and caffeine. I find a lot of people really like to drink when they're flying. I think maybe it's like, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm going to start the cocktails or whatever. But I highly, highly recommend you stay away from that for a couple of reasons. One, it's going to dehydrate you so much faster. So right, we're already trying to overcome the dehydration effects of flying and maybe not drinking enough water. Alcohol and caffeine is just going to like double down on the dehydration. So watch out for that. And then if you have anxiety, the alcohol and caffeine are just going to ramp up that anxious feeling. So mm, really good point. 
Really good point. Definitely stay away from those. And with the water, you know, I think if you can bring your own water bottle, just get in the habit of a non-glass good travel water bottle to bring. You can at least get through security and then fill it up. I know it's not the perfect water, but you can at least find some kind of filtered water. It's better than buying the plastic water bottles in the airport that you're paying. I know Vegas seems to be like the worst airport. Their water is like $6 for a plastic bottle. It's like for a tiny little Fiji. Yeah. Yeah. They like know everyone leaving Vegas is dehydrated. So they're like, let's just charge whatever people will buy it. So plastic, not good for the environment, not good for you. So bring your own water bottle. Yes. And I'll say on the hydration front, because I deal with the increased need to pee on the plane, which I don't like. I have a two hour rule. That's sort of my transit time for peeing. So I'll I'll make sure that two hours before I have to get on the flight, I'm completing my water intake. So I'm front loading all of that hydration so that by the time that I board and get on the plane, I have already hydrated myself. I've gotten in my morning water intake and hopefully can move on. From there, it's small sips and lots of electrolytes. So for example, if I'm using Element Tea, which is the powdered flavored, amazing Rob Wolf electrolyte, high sodium electrolyte packets, I'll do more electrolytes to water than I would typically do at home. So if I'm going to do an eight ounce glass full packet, or maybe even half a packet, I'm just going to reverse that ratio. So you are getting a little more sodium, which could potentially lead, I'm curious on your input on this, could potentially lead to a little extra bloating, but you're going to make sure that you really retain all of those minerals. It's going to decrease your need to go to the bathroom while on the plane. And it's going to hydrate you because we know you get super dehydrated. So I think at least for a moderately short to moderately long flight, that could be a good strategy. What do you think about that, about increasing the sodium? Oh yeah, I do the same. And I would say the timing, ever since you told me that maybe a year or two ago, I've been doing it. Game changer, game changer. I get on the plane and I find I don't have to pee for at least the first two hours, but I'm already hydrated. So definitely game changer. And yeah, the electrolytes. So some people find when they are dehydrated and they're just drinking water, they're just peeing it out. But yeah, the minerals, again, will help you yourselves absorb that better so that you're not running to the bathroom as much. Yeah. And I think this is worth repeating because I hear this a lot. A lot of people say, there's no way that I could be dehydrated. I drink so much water. The question is, are your cells absorbing that water or is it running through you? Like you said, are you absorbing those electrolytes? Do you even have electrolytes and minerals in your water? If you're drinking out a plastic water bottle, drinking from the filter in your fridge, or maybe a Brita filter, you know, these not so great, very commercial grade filters are stripping your water. So it's very empty. So you could be drinking a lot of volume of water, but you're not actually hydrating your tissues and your cells. That's where the electrolytes and minerals can really come in handy. And yes, front loading that at least two hours before. So I would say that's a priority when you wake up and you're getting ready to go to the airport. Even if you're rushed, make that a number one, get your water in before you leave the house. It will be a game changer, as Renee said. Definitely. Yes. Thank you for teaching me that. (laughs) Water hacks. I feel like we should jump into nutrition because nutrition is going to be really important once we land. But if we can nail this while we're flying, oh my gosh, we're going to just set ourselves up for success. One of our favorite hacks here is, is fasting. For many reasons, we can get into some of the jet lag, crossing time zones, the circadian rhythm effect. But fasting can be one of the most potent strategies. One, to decrease your tummy issues, the constipation, anything in that arena, but also to use it as the zeitgeber, this time giver to set your clock, 
depending on which time zone you're going to be in, or just to reduce anxiety on the gut. That gut-brain connection is very, very vulnerable to food inputs. So lots of reasons to fast. Depending on how early you're waking up, you certainly don't want to eat breakfast, break your fast earlier than you normally do. So a lot of people maybe, let's just say, for example, if you typically eat breakfast at 8 a.m., you wake up for an early flight, like I'm waking up earlier and I'm hungry, I should eat, right? It is advised and suggested to keep your eating schedule the same. Our body really loves consistency and from a circadian rhythm aspect, that time giver of food into your body, that input, the cellular instructions we're we're getting from the time that you're eating your food is going to keep your body in sync. It's going to keep it aligned. It's going to reduce some of that pressure and stress that we get with all the other stressors from flying. So keep your food schedule the same. And then we can add in the fasting, depending on where you're going to, if you're crossing time zones, and we definitely want to get onto the new time zone. You know, there's a lot of nuances here, but say your trip where you're going to, where you're traveling to is at least a week. You probably want to get on that new time zone as as quickly as possible. So we're going to use light and food and we'll circle back to light, but food is going to get you on that new time zone. So you would fast until what your typical first meal time is in that new time zone. Yeah, that's a great hack. Yeah, I find if I'm flying east to west in the morning, I will fast further through the morning. And then if I'm flying west to east in the morning, I will eat sooner. Mm, Smart. Yeah. So yeah, like Lauren said, there's a lot of nuances here. And Lauren, you're great at breaking this down for clients. Like you'll say, okay, where are you flying? What time? And you'll like literally schedule when to fast, when to eat, when to do light and all this. So that's a pretty wow. awesome well, thing. I, had, I just had a really great success story, a client that was traveling internationally to Asia, which massive time difference. They're more than a day ahead of us, actually more than a day ahead of her because she lives on the West Coast. So it was really, really important for us to lay out this schedule for her. And so how do we get on that time schedule and also reduce the stress because travel anxiety, tummy troubles, all of those things. And so just laying out a plan, again, planning ahead can get you so far. It doesn't even have to be rocket science, but just creating a schedule for yourself. What makes sense as far as the time that you're in now? Where are you going? How can I reduce the pressure? So we offer that. I offer that. I love to do that for clients to create this travel schedule just to take away the decision fatigue that happens because there is just endless, endless variables. So I actually find that quite fun. (laughs) Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. Yeah. And I think on the planning side of things, planning your food when you get there the best you can. Like anytime I'm going to go into a new city, I immediately am looking at the area. Is there a Whole Foods? Is there a Sprouts? Is there an Erewhon? Always. What kind of maps? Yeah. Is it near the airport? Is it near the hotel? Find where that is because at least you know you have a backup to get some extra snacks, maybe hit the salad bar, something like that. And then I would say the next level of that is looking up restaurants. So don't wait till you get there to look around and see make a reservation if you know you're going to be going out to brunch, dinner, whatever. And I mean, thank goodness for the internet. It's so easy now. I will Google farm-to-table restaurant or grass-fed or even some cities I can do paleo restaurant. And like, it's amazing what you can find. Get that reservation. That way you at least know you have a couple solid meals that are going to be healthy options when you get there. No surprises. Yeah. Did we mention food on the plane? We just talked about fasting. Like, don't eat. (laughs) If you choose to eat, we have some options there too. I always travel with my, I call it my, my go bag of snacks. And 
I've found, well, both of us have found that as we've gotten older and more into the biohacking and more familiar with our own cycles and nutrition needs that we don't need a snack. I'm not afraid that my blood sugar is going to drop. And that's because of my experience with a CGM continuous glucose monitor, kind of fighting against this myth that if you don't eat every few hours, your blood sugar is going to drop. Bad things are going to happen. It's just not true. It actually could be quite helpful to go longer periods of time. So if you are that person that can go longer, but it's good to have emergency snacks because you don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes you think, oh, this airport has good food. You could land in the one terminal or the one area of that airport that has nothing. For example, I was flying back from Canada and because I was traveling back to the US, I was in the international section. There were only a few gates. And the only thing that was there was a Tim Hortons and they had coffee and you know, the coffee was fine and pastries, baked goods. So luckily I had in my go bag, some nut butter. I always have that. Some jerky, always have that. Electrolytes. And I didn't this time, but I like to travel with aminos because I find that really pairs well with fasting to be able to get the amino acids that build up to protein. Those are the building blocks. Really helps to reduce cravings and hunger. We put it in water. It's something else to drink, which I find is another way to hydrate, but not overhydrate. So I am going to the bathroom quite a bit. So I'd say those are my three go-tos. And then often kind of depending on what security I'm going in and how far I'll bring some raw veggies, just easy carrots, cucumbers, maybe some bell peppers and a little plastic baggie to make sure that I can get extra hydration, some crunch, some nutrients. And you know, that doesn't take up a lot of space, veggies, jerky, nut butter, and then the packets of electrolytes and aminos. Yeah. What about you, Renee? What's up, biohackers? Renee here. If you are a biohacker who's looking for the newest cutting-edge products to push your brain and body to the outer limits of what's possible, or maybe you're a wellness enthusiast who's looking for a mental upgrade, well, then stop what you're doing. You have to check out Nootopia. It's the most powerful nootropic company on the market today. These nootropic stacks are taking the industry by storm because they're safe, legal, and highly effective. You see, every stack was formulated by a man who's the most advanced brain chemist and nootropics formulator alive today. We actually had him on the podcast in August of last year. We call him Mr. Newts, and it was a great episode. We took a deep dive, so definitely check that one out. And even better, every formula is customized for you based on your strengths, your weaknesses, and your goals, so you get exactly what you personally need. And it's true that Elon Musk's Neuralink is still a long way off, but Nootopia stacks might be the next best thing. So taking the right formulas at the right times can help you focus intensely, block out distractions, reduce stress and anxiety, enhance your creativity. I personally love these, especially on days where I have a lot of podcasts or writing, or even if I'm going out on the weekend and I just want to have a little boost in energy so I can connect with others. There are just so many great uses for me and I just love it so much. But you'll be amazed how quickly they work. I mean, really within 15 to 30 minutes, you'll start to feel the difference. And you'll start to notice those mental effects. And guess what? Here's the best part. These formulas come with a full one-year guarantee. So there's zero risk to you if you want to just try them out and see how it goes. So here's the deal. If you feel like you're not fully maximizing your potential, this could be personally and professionally, then you owe it to yourself to at least try Newtopia's formulas. They're, I promise you, a total game changer. All you have to do is head over to newtopia.com slash biohackerbabes and use code biohackerbabes at checkout. That'll get you 10% off your order. And that's Newtopia, N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A. So newtopia.com slash biohackerbabes. I will put that link in the show notes for today's episode as well. So it's easy for you to find. 
And we can't wait to hear your experience with these awesome nootropic stacks. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I would say I pack pretty much the same thing. I would say for my beef jerky, I'm obsessed with the Paleo Valley beef sticks. Ah, they're so good. The new maple bacon is to die for. It is Rudy approved. Yes, (laughs) he does love it. Yeah, I think just always having something. I've been stuck in airports too, just like you said, where like you you think you're going to have food and then they're like, oh, sh- surprise, everything closed at seven. You're like, great. So mm-hmm. always have that backup. And then the other cool thing is the aminos, the essential amino acids we use from Keon, they just came out with the packets so you can travel with them, which I think is like a game changer because before I was like pouring it into Ziploc baggies and it looked very suspicious to have this white, powder in a baggie. Yeah, some <laughs> countries that would be really contraindicated. Yeah, don't take that internationally. But yeah, the new Keon packets are perfect for traveling. Yeah, it's a great list. I love that. That came up with my client recently, where in the past when she's been traveling domestically, it's just, let's have your pill pouch, your little, <laughs> I call it our, our granny supplement case, powders, whatever. You can just put it in a plastic bag or I like the silicone bags, sasher bags, because they're a little more environmentally friendly, not toxic to your body. But yeah, when you're traveling internationally, things generally need a label. And we have a mutual friend of a friend that got in a lot of trouble with taking something into another country. So just be really wary. So luckily, these companies like Keon are coming out with things that you can have that are small. Bone broth packets are really easy. I don't always easily find hot water to put it in, but I do always have emergency bone broth in Mm. my bag in just like a little tearaway packet. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, that's a great hack. So what do we have next? So you land, hopefully you have a healthy place to stay, but let's back up a few steps and go back to the planning aspect. If you do have control over this, of course, so many variables, if you're traveling with people or if it's a work trip, maybe you don't have control over the place you're staying, but we wanted to share our thought process that goes into booking accommodations. So I'm thinking of my number one thing. I have to make sure that I have a good sleep environment because if I sleep, that means I'm going to be in a better mood the next day. I'm going to make better decisions. My brain is going to be rested. I'm going to have a high readiness. So more likely for me to work out. I'll say that's a challenge for me. That's something I don't push through often. When I travel, if I wake up, my readiness is not good. I'm going to choose to not work out. And I hate that, but that is the choice that I often make. So I want to make sure my sleep is as good as possible. So I'm always checking with the accommodations. If it's not a hotel, because I feel like hotels do blackout curtains all the time. And the thermostat, now that we have your thermostat hack, where you can drop the temperature down really low, I feel like hotels are fairly safe in that regard. But I stay in a lot of Airbnbs. So I'm checking for blackout curtains. This sounds silly and a little too luxurious, but I'm checking for a king bed. Because if I am with Jeremy and Rudy, I am not going to sleep well in anything smaller than that. And I just know myself. I know us. I know Rudy's sleep habits because then the first night effect comes in where I am 100% ancestrally. I was the person in the tribe that probably stayed up through the night to make sure that no one was invading the tribe and the community. You know, I'm the dolphin that sleeps with one eye open. And so I really am affected by this first night effect. My body goes into survival mode. It's not safe. And so making sure that sleep environment is tight and controlled and contained is so vital to me. So king bed. Yeah. Can I throw something with the sleep that I I learned a couple of years ago? And I'm like, no, that's not a thing. I've been doing it. It definitely helps me is to fall asleep on the opposite side from your dominant. So like my right-hand dominant, I fall asleep on my left side. 
they say that that signals to the nervous system, like if something were to happen, that dominant hand is ready to fight versus me falling asleep on my right side. I don't know if it works for everyone, but it does work for me. Interesting. So you're just ready to swing. <laughs> like ready. Watch out. Watch out. Ryan, don't scare me in the middle of the night. Watch out for that right hook, you guys. She is ready. I do sleep predominantly on my left side. So my right arm is ready and available. Okay. There you go. I don't know. I guess just intuitively, I felt that. I love that. That's such a great Maybe it's placebo, but whatever. Yeah. And then I have my all my little things. So I have a little canvas sleep bag that is going to have my noise-canceling earbuds which they don't block out all the noise, but it blocks out the little itty bitty weird things. Like there is a buzz from, I don't know, some piece of machinery in your ear. An elevator. Elevator. There's a weird buzzing that can come in. So I just want to reduce those little extras because I'm super, super sensitive to sound. So I have the noise canceling earbuds. I always put on waves on my phone. So that's not something you have to add. It's just on your phone. Eye mask. And I travel with my own pillow. Travel with my own pillow, non-negotiable. I do not want to sleep on a piece of fabric that they stuffed like three bits of cotton in. It just doesn't work for me. I need my Tempur-Pedic pillow. End of story. So if I have those things and I sleep, generally everything else falls into place. I'm going to get a good readiness score. And I did last night, I did all of these things and I woke up and I had a 90 and I feel good. I feel like I don't have to let go of any of my plans for the day. I don't have to let go of my exercise plan. I'm not having additional cravings or hunger or weird tummy troubles. I feel like my glucose is right on track. Mood, good. Decision juice, full. We're ready to go. Woohoo! She's a full battery, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would just throw to the eye mask. If you hate wearing an eye mask, because I find a lot of people do, is still that light pollution is a problem. So yeah, the dark uh, blackout curtains are great, but all the random little lights, like the TV light, the alarm clock light, the fire alarm light, you can get true dark dots, which are great. They're a little more expensive. If you want to go the cheap route, just bring like a roll of duct tape. That works too. And just oh, go yeah. around the room and plug all those lights because it's amazing what those little lights can do to disrupt your sleep. We're so mm-hmm. sensitive. I mean, even down to like our gut microbiome, we actually have seen research showing that that can get jet lagged. So watching the light, watching the timing of food, but mm-hmm. no lights when you're sleeping, please. Yeah. And I would make it like a team affair. If you're traveling with a partner or a friend, share these things with them. I travel with Jeremy and he's a very good sleeper. None of these things bother him. He could sleep in a room with full light TV sound, but he knows how sensitive I am. So now he kind of helps and he pitches in last night. We plugged in the red light in the bathroom because I don't want to stumble in the middle of the night if I have to get up. But he noticed that it was kind of cascading into the room. So he got up and closed the door. I was like, thank you so much. Aw. <laughs> He's a good travel buddy. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. And also plugging, like putting a towel under the door if there's any light seeping in under the door. I would go the extra mile and do all of the crazy things, especially on the first night because of the first night effect. Take away any additional stress to your body thinking that it needs to protect itself. And then you can work backwards from there. Maybe you don't need every single thing. If you have 10 hacks, maybe you can work back and say, okay, I'm feeling safer. I'm feeling more comfortable here. But I would just take every single precaution the first night. And I'm just going to add one more thing. I make sure I unpack like relatively fully when I first get there to make it homey and make sure my stuff is in my environment to also tell my body, this is safe. This is comfortable. This is familiar. If my suitcase is still packed, I'm telling my subconscious, 
Ooh, we don't know about those plays. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I've definitely felt that too. And you so, briefly you know, mentioned... Leon Hawking can be annoying, but I think if you happen to be a light sleeper, again, take all the precautions and I know myself, just do it. Yeah, yeah. And you briefly mentioned the red light, uh, night light. I would say always travel with just one of those. Get the ones that plug into the wall because I used to travel with the ones that just sit on the counter or whatever, and I have left so many behind. But I find if it's one that you plug into an outlet when you're packing your things up, you see it easier. But yeah, because if you do wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, you do not want to be turning on your lights, your phone flashlight, just have that red light. And Mm -hmm. a funny story, I was at this, I went to a yoga nidra class recently and it was all about biohacks for sleep. And they talked a lot about dehydration and how that can impact your sleep. And she was saying to drink lots of water before bed. She says, you want to be hydrated. She says, who cares if you wake up three or four times in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom? Go to the bathroom, go back to bed. In my head, I'm thinking, most people cannot fall back asleep. So you want to challenge. Yeah, you want to front load your hydration earlier in the day so that it's not impacting your sleep. If you wake up maybe once in the middle of the night to pee, A-okay, but I wouldn't be chugging water before bed to overcome that. I was like, No, don't tell people this advice. Terrible thing. Short-sighted advice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes once I'm up, it's a little bit harder to turn my brain off. So yeah, again, just reducing possibilities unless you're a camel. I know Rudy, my dog can go 15 hours. And I found that out by traveling, flying with him because he refuses to use the animal relief areas. So he can go a long time, but certainly my bladder, I don't think yours can either. That's impressive. 15 hours. Wow, yeah. Very, very, very. Yeah. Should we jump into some right. movement, some exercise? What are we going to do maybe on the plane and when we get there? Can I throw one more thing in? Mm-hmm. Back to where you're staying, whether hotel, Airbnb, if you can have a mini fridge, I think that's helpful. Obviously, Airbnbs, you're probably going to have a full fridge. But even if you're at a hotel and there's not a fridge, call down usually for like 15 bucks. You can get a mini fridge. That way you can at least keep a couple staples in there. I think that's always a back, a good backup. Yeah. I didn't even ask you what your priority is for looking for places. Is yours also bedroom environment? Yes. I mean, I'll look at the pictures to see, but I kind of know with my sleep routine, I've gotten pretty good at sleeping most places because actually, you know what the hardest thing is, is staying with friends and family. Cause I find then I'm like in a thermostat war or they have some weird lighting or sound. Versus like my own Airbnb or hotel, I feel like I can control those a little bit better. So I have had to learn how to just pack my little sleep bag of like a sleep anywhere kit. So yeah. yeah. And then, I, yeah, I think in location, if I can find my Whole Foods is always my go-to just to have nearby mm-hmm. to stock up. Yeah, definitely. I think we should probably share our sleep kits with everyone, what we put in it. Because I've worked really hard to to minimalize, make sure it's not taking up too much room, you know, and I'm not going to pack an amazing ideal world. I pack every single biohack and I have been doing that kind of, because I've been driving more places, but obviously when you fly, we got to make some choices. So we could share our sleep kits and these few things that go in there. But just to recap, eye mask, noise canceling earbuds, true dark dots, or some kind of tape that you can use to cover any led or red lights, blue lights, Blue light blocking glasses. Yep. Blue light blocking glasses for sure. Especially if you're in a war, a light war with the people that you're staying with. 
happened a little bit last night, all the lights are on and I didn't want to be rude. So, you know, pop those babies on. Mm-hmm. And, and then the like, red light, red light, night light, red light, night light. Yes. And we both like yeah. the plug-in one, not the one that you leave on the counter, potentially you leave there. Also that's battery operated. So you're having to replace Charge batteries. It. I mean, mine's rechargeable, but, but still oh. that's one more thing to think about the charger and stuff. Just get the the cheap one on Amazon that plugs in. Easy. Yeah. Love those. All right. Movement? Exercise? Yeah. Yeah. Another great thing to front load before you get on the plane or get in the car or whatever you're doing travel-wise, move your body. There were some podcasts I listened to recently. I can't remember what it was. doesn't really matter. They were talking about doing their hardest workout the day before they travel because they're just going to be sitting and recovering. I often find that doesn't help because my body needs to move and recover after that really hard, intense, you know, breakdown of muscle tissue. So if I'm doing that hard workout, I'm just going to get more sore and tight and it's not going to feel good in my body. So I think know your body, what the movement needs are, especially if you're sitting for a long period of time, you know, doing some lunges, some squats to open up your hips, do some dynamic stretching. But I would front load that the day before, be really intelligent and know your own recovery needs. And then morning of is great to do some mobility, just get some blood flow. If you're going to be sitting, touch your toes, drop down into a squat. You could hold a lunge, squeeze your butt cheeks, release your hip flexor, do some jumping jacks. I have been known and I'm sure seen in many airports doing a half kneel position. So one knee down, one knee up to tuck my hips under, stretch the hip flexors, add the arm in for the side bend, that one typically doesn't take up a lot of space, typically doesn't make you look too crazy and releases a lot in the body. So if I had to pick one stretch before I fly, it would be a hip flexor kneeling stretch. Oh yeah, that's my number one too. And I would say at the airport, I am that person at the terminal doing that. And I feel like there are eyes on me sometimes. Like, is she getting ready to run a marathon or something? Like, what is she doing over there? She's getting ready to fly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my thing is, if you're going to be sitting on the plane for three, five, six hours, don't sit at the gate, please. Like, I get to the airport early enough that I can be there, not stress, all that good stuff. But then I walk. Ryan and I will walk laps around the airport until it's ready, time to board. Just Mm -hmm. because, yeah, to keep that blood flow, keep stretching, doing all those things. But I'm like, I don't need to sit one more minute than I'm going to be forced to sit on the plane. Yeah, Yeah, I like the walking. Yeah. And wear comfortable shoes when you're traveling, if you can. I know some people have to be in like their business attire or whatever, but even if you can bring some sneakers or wear some sneakers, do something that so you can get your steps in and easier to stretch before you board. That's a good point. You're probably more likely to walk around if you're super comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. When you get on the plane, obviously we have reduced space and opportunity to move. If you are stuck in your seat and you don't like to get up, I would at the very least encourage circling of your joints. So ankle circles, wrist circles, neck circles, and just some deep breathing to expand your rib cage and get some movement in your core. You could even do some light spinal circles, move your rib cage around. Circles are very therapeutic. They're very hydrating to our tissues and to our joints and ligaments. So just thinking about small circles, you know, you could do it and potentially no one else even around you would notice circling to keep that blood flow. If you have the opportunity to get up, I love a standing hip flexor stretch. So say you go to the bathroom and you're waiting in line, you could stand and place one foot back behind the other. So you're in a staggered stance, tuck your pelvis under. So think of 
your tailbone coming under kind of like a dog, a scared dog tucking the pelvis, that's going to put a stretch on your hip flexor. So really great after you've been sitting because hip flexors just get tight and creaky and we got to lengthen it back out. So great one you can do in that small aisle next to the bathroom. If you want to do an arm, like I said before, a little lateral bend stretch, you get a stretch up through the QL, the lats, the shoulder, that feels nice too. And then, you know, if I'm feeling like I want to go for it and there's no people in the way, I'll do a forward fold for my hamstrings, clasp my hands behind my back, pull my hands up towards the ceiling. And so then I get the shoulder stretch, the hamstring stretch, which feels really nice. A little bit of an an inversion. Nice. I can't wait to stretch after this podcast. I know. I want to stand up and stretch my hammies right now. Good. (laughs) Great. Anything else you would add to airplane stretching? No, those are all great. I will say I, I always get a little excited when there's a line for the bathroom because I'm like, oh, I can justify standing without getting yelled at by the flight attendant. <laughs> yeah, I can get full 20 lunges in. I have fully yeah. done lunges down the aisle. So great. I would probably push the envelope of looking crazy. And then we can dole out the superlatives to all of us biohackers. Yeah, most likely too. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Awesome. How, How about do you land? When, yeah, when you land, I mean, I can keep my exercise tip pretty simple. When I am on vacation, I don't really work out much. I really focus on my steps. You know, I'll get like 15,000 plus steps just because the type of vacation I like, I like to walk a lot and and by foot as much as possible. So I would say my steps are where it's at. And then just like body weight exercises in the hotel. So even just like a five minute Tabata in the hotel room, some push-ups, some squats, lunges, jump squats, stuff like that. You will not see me at the hotel gym lifting weights. I'll be totally honest. (laughs) It's just not my jam. If it's your jam, go for it. But like, I just know that if I'm not lifting weights for four or five days while I'm traveling, I'll get home and get back into it. That's a personal thing. Well, and built-in recovery because we all need to take a work a week off every now and then. If you're doing progressive overload, always pushing the envelope, increasing your weights, increasing your volume, you're due for a week of recovery. So maybe you can align that And I always love when it happenstance lines up with my cycle. So say I'm in that last week of my cycle, end of the luteal phase when I should be doing more resting. I get so excited when that aligns. I'm like, yes, I'm not supposed to work out. I'm supposed to be resting. And And I can can eat more carbs. Yeah, yeah. So ladies, if you can make that happen with your travel, it's pretty magical. But otherwise I'm with you on the body weight stuff. I've made videos about working out in your hotel room or small spaces. I think there's quite a bit that you can do to get that blood flow, the mobility, get a little muscle activation that will make you feel good and kind of stay in it because I think it is important to have those anchor habits. So I think it's totally fine to not work out at all. But if you are someone that really relies on staying in that flow in the program, you want to keep the anchor. So even if it's not as hard of a workout as you're used to doing, still doing some squats and some pushups. So your body remembers, oh, right. At this time, this is what we do. And we're staying in it. We want to keep that anchor as long as possible because we know the flip side of that, you get out of the flow. It is so hard to get back in. So again, it's a situation of know thyself. If you need that anchor, keep it. Pushups to failure, squats to failure, lunges to failure. You are going to get strength and cardio all in one. And I think it really lends itself nicely to these movement snacks. I would definitely argue to probably do it first thing in the morning to wake up your brain and your new space and get the blood flow. But you could, you know, sprinkle this in. Like you said, Renee, if it's a five minute workout, you could do one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening. 
we know the benefits of, of movement snacks. One, it's the best way to allow for glucose control. So even better than a postprandial walk is the movement snacks. And I think it's going to help with energy, resetting your energy, resetting your circadian clock. I'll say one more thing and I'll pause. Walking in the morning. This is a personal hack because I can habit stack. If I do go for a walk in the morning, get my morning sunlight. So light exposure, which is the other time giver with food, light and food. If we get light into our eyeballs, it tells our body what clock, what time it is. It takes the pressure off of our organ systems, nervous system. So going for a walk outside. So you get your steps, you get your light exposure and you get familiarity with the area around you. So I often spend a whole week in a particular place. So I like to really understand my surroundings and get to know it like right off the bat. So I think that's a really nice way to kickstart if you have the time to start your morning that way. Yeah, I love that. I think just, you know, listening to your body when you're traveling, because again, remember that exercise is a hormetic stressor. So if you are moving a lot, stressed out at all on vacation, you know, just listen to your body, see what it needs. I will always prioritize sleep over exercise, especially when I'm traveling. So, but that's a personal thing. I'm the same. And and sometimes I get down on myself. I'm like, oh, I didn't do my workout because my readiness was low. That's the choice that I make. So again, making sure the sleep is good. But I think you could just, the alternative is dialing back the intensity. You don't have to go balls to the wall. And that's where the body weight really works nicely. An easy thing to do that you just Google the seven minute workout. I love that thing. The New York Times oh, yeah. seven minute workout. You can do it anywhere. It, it makes me tired. I'm like, oh, I did something. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. Or I can share my hotel workouts. You can put your feet up on the bed, hands on the floor for some push-ups, do some step-ups on the bed if you have good balance and stability. There's just so many opportunities there. But I think the biggest takeaway to close out this category is know your body and know what you need. How are we going to continue that resiliency and readiness? So you, one, don't hurt your immune system. Two, go home and feel like, wow, I need a vacation for my vacation. And three, probably not add stress to your schedule. If you're with family or on a work trip, there's probably not a lot of opportunities to be away from those people. So quick check-in, make the choice. Awesome. All right. I think to kind of wrap things up, let's talk about some supplements. These are supplemental to everything that we just talked about, right, Lauren? Yeah. These are like the icing on the cake. We have a great list for you. I would say number one, this is my go-to, is some kind of immune support. When we're traveling, like I started the episode with, we are exposed to different microbes and things. Maybe we're not sleeping as great, all these factors. Something to support your immune system. Even just one thing. I have a couple favorites, like the Quicksilver Scientific Immune Charge. It has vitamin D, vitamin C, elderberry, Microbiome Labs, Mega Immune, or the Megacidin Throat Spray. Maybe some propolis throat spray, some vitamin C. I would pick at least one immune-boosting supplement. And it's fine if you're not just taking it on a regular basis when you're home. But when you're traveling, just to be preventative with that, I would pick something for your bag. Yeah, I think anything that you can spray up into your sinus cavity is really helpful because we're exposed to breathing in so many things, especially on an airplane. I think that is like number one defense. And they typically are very small bottles. I love the Megacidin throat spray. So often on the airplane, it's dry. I can get a tickle in my throat. And these days, you know, you don't want to be coughing on the plane, no matter what it is. So I like that because it has some soothing nutrients. I think there's some aloe in there to 
soothe any tickle, but also we're getting all of those potent nutrients that are going to protect your immune system. Sometimes I'll, I'll spray it into my mouth, but then rub a little bit up my nose and I feel pretty protected. Something I've had in my bag forever, like more than a decade is the Thieves essential oil. Mm. Do you use Thieves still? I use like their toothpaste and some of the other products, but I don't ever travel with the oil, but that's a great idea. Cause that's so such got, I... uh, has antimicrobial properties. Yes. Antimicrobial. I always have it in my bag. It smells like Christmas or pizza, I guess, depending on how you perceive Christmas pizza smells Christmas pizza. So, you know, I check my environment. If I'm on the plane, I make sure that there's no one that looks like maybe they'll be offended because it can be a little bit of a potent smell, but I will put a little bit up my nose. It's pretty strong. So like very, very small amount. I'll rub some on the inside of my cheeks and my mouth. Sometimes I'll put a little bit on my hands. So I get that boost just in case, you know, you're breathing something in that could be offensive. I love my thieves oil and super small. So in addition to the sleep kit, I have a little travel immune kit. Very, very small. doesn't take up a lot of space, but I think we should offer something that's super easy in case you don't want to buy these things or don't want to travel with a bunch of bottles, especially if you're going to another country. I think it's really important to to front load, again, you know, I've said front load so many times, front load your immune system before you leave. Don't wait to be concerned about your immune system when you're on the plane. The days prior, this is why we need to sleep because that's the number one thing for immune health. But I like to load up on my zinc, my vitamin D, my vitamin C. I take my mega IgG, my immunoglobulins for gut health. So if you're doing all these things that preventative action, you don't have to be so worried once you get on the plane. And then you can just take those small bottles like the Megacidin, the Quicksilver Immune Swore, the Thieves. So some options that are a little more travelable. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and I would add to the nasal spray. I really like either like a silver nasal spray or a xylitol nasal spray. And then now lately we've been using, there's an antiviral nasal spray, which is a really tiny bottle, super easy to travel with, but it can kill a virus, I think in like 15 seconds, pretty fast. And I'll just do one spray up each nostril before I travel anywhere. And you, I mean, that's pretty good to go. Yeah, that slides yeah. into my bag right next to the thieves. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because who knows what you're inhaling. So easy, easy thing to do. Yeah, I love that. Also for supplements, I personally love methylene blue because it mm. is powerful for the mitochondria, which, you know, our mitochondria are definitely getting damaged from all of the crazy exposures when we're traveling. So I like some methylene blue. I just use the little trochies from transcriptions and I just do the just blue. So it's just methylene blue. It doesn't have anything else added to it. Get that nice blue tongue when you're traveling. So that's always fun. Here's a conversation starter. And it's supposed to be really great for jet lag, actually, probably because of the mitochondrial impact. Oh yeah. I love that. I don't know that I've ever popped one on the plane, but I'm going to be thinking about, you know, and I'll do that yes. next time. Yes. Yeah. If you had to travel with one supplement, Renee, what would it be? The panic on your face. <laughs> I think if I can just pick like one immune support, I would say that's probably mm -hmm. my number one. Something like the Quicksilver immune charge, if I can only have one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because I personally find that when I travel, I feel a little bit more run down because right, we can't control all the variables versus being at home. So I think if I can keep my immune system strong, through a little bonus there, I can do all the other lifestyle hacks to make sure I stay healthy. Because getting sick when you're traveling is the worst. I remember I 
I did almost three weeks in Europe, traveling around Europe. And on like the third day, I caught a cold. And man, it is no fun to be in a foreign country with the sniffles. Yeah, this yeah, was like that would be, a long be, time be, ago. Like, where's the Whole Foods? I got to run. And then uh, it's just terrible spending all that money on supplements after you get sick. So yeah, again, more motivation to prevent, bolster the immune system before you go. Yeah, I was literally running around Rome, going into like the pharmacia and I don't speak Italian and I'm trying, I'm like, sniffles, uh-huh, cough, what do I need to take? And they're giving me stuff. I can't even read the label and I'm just like dishing out 50 euros for whatever, just to get through the trip. Major learning lesson from that. Yeah. Been there. Been there. Yeah. So what would you say is your number one, if you could only bring one thing? Probably the megacidin Mm. because of the multiple mechanisms there. Making sure I'm not coughing, getting a tickle from the dryness, protecting my oral microbiome is really tied to the rest of your immune system. I just feel like there's so many benefits from that and it's easy to travel. And it's under the liquid requirements that you need to fly. Right. I guess more of a non-supplement, if I had to pick something else, would be electrolytes just because of cellular hydration, but also energy. I feel so depleted and tired if I don't have my electrolytes. So if you're going to give me a number two, it's going to be electrolytes. Sure. Yeah. But definitely before front-loading, again, the vitamin C, the vitamin D, the zinc, maybe some functional mushrooms and the mega IgG, the immunoglobulins have been just super helpful for me. And I think we have our work cut out for us. We have quite a bit of resources to share with you. So yeah, by the time you're listening to everything, to this, there's gonna be a long list if you scroll down in the show notes. Anything else? Charcoal? I gotta Depending throw charcoal in. Yeah, I knew I saw it on your face. <laughs> yeah, it is in case of emergency. I hope that none of you ever need the charcoal when traveling, but it is the greatest hack for food poisoning. Also, just alcohol. It helps to bind to the toxins in alcohol. So I always have it in my bag. I've only needed to use it one trip, but man, did it save the day. So <laughs> yeah, so I almost always have it as well. And the one time I really needed it, I didn't have it. I ran out and the night before I left, I thought, I'll be fine. That was not fine. Not Oof. fine in Mexico. <laughs> so learn yeah. my lesson there. Yeah, you couldn't go to Whole Foods really... there. No, yeah. So that's a really good, in case of emergency, bring some charcoal. I think that's... A great idea. Yeah. And then also kind of a, in case of magnesium, I always travel with that. I mean, magnesium has so many properties, right? But it's great for, you know, if you do have trouble sleeping, if you have constipation, if you get a headache, which could be from so many reasons when traveling, I just think always keeping a magnesium in your bag. Yeah. A good thing. Helping the nervous system to wind down if you were victim to the first night effect, like me, certainly <laughs> could be helpful. Yeah. 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 All right. Did we throw enough at everyone? I think so, but I would love to circle back to the circadian rhythm. We do have a, an ebook about jet lag and travel, and it's not just traveling across time zones. It also applies to social jet lag, but anything that's going to throw you off of your time zone and your body clock. So we can defer to the ebook if you haven't read it. It's pretty simple and digestible. But I just want to say this is really important to plan ahead of time. You want to look at where you're traveling, how long you're going to be there. What time zone shift are you putting your body in? Because it's very stressful for the body. So we can help you out with that. If you're going on a particular trip, happy to make a schedule for you. I don't know why. This is like a new special skill of mine. I love doing this breakdown for people. In general, Mm. when you return to wherever you live, like returning home, melatonin can be really helpful at resetting your clock. 
So less of a sleep supplement, more of a circadian time giver. So I like to use just a small amount when I come back to tell my body, okay, this is when we need to take in the darkness and go to sleep. And it's not always necessarily right before bed. I find taking it much earlier in the night is helpful. Do you ever take melatonin? Oh yeah, I take it a lot. I mean, when I'm traveling across time zones, both directions, I will use it. Mm, okay. Really helpful. But I would say, yeah, I try and take it a little bit earlier, usually like 8, 8.30 if I'm trying to go to bed at 10, which is my goal bedtime, just because if I take it too late, I do get groggy in the next morning, which is no fun, which is a normal. Yeah. Effect. I like taking it yeah. even at 6 or 6.30. As soon as the sun oh, is wow. going down, as soon as you know our eyes perceive darkness, that's when our body's naturally going to produce the melatonin anyway. So staying in that natural rhythm of production, I think that definitely will offset the grogginess as well if that's the issue for you. Yeah. So. yeah just giving yourself enough time. And we just did a very brief podcast with Dr. Deanna Minnick about melatonin. She's doing some amazing research on melatonin. So I want people to know this is not just a sleep hormone. Like you briefly said, it's for circadian rhythm, but it has antioxidant properties, anti-inflammatory properties, and even at higher doses. So a lot of people do, you know, three milligrams or less, but there's a lot of good research on doing higher doses, but not as a regular thing. This is like a short-term adjusting to the time zone or, or if you're overcoming a chronic illness, people are using melatonin at high doses too. So yes, yes, all caps. Yes, but work with a practitioner if you want to do the higher dosing just to be safe with that. But great, it's a great hack. Cool. So just a few other takeaways about circadian rhythm. Obviously, this is going to be personalized depending on what your trip is, where you're going, et cetera, all the variables. But remember that food and light are your time givers. So using those really strategically to set your body and offset any of that potential stress on the nervous system, organ systems. If you can keep some consistency with light and food, so breaking your fast the same time you always do, or using that extended fast if that works for you and can in many situations. But I would rip open your open your curtains first thing in the morning, get that bright light, go outside, get light outdoors, even better because we don't get the same effect through window panes. But light food, I'm saying a million times, light and food are you're going to be your best assets when you're traveling to offset from that potential jet lag. That's awesome. And I would add with the jet lag and fasting, the new temperaments I've been experimenting with. We just had Dr. Dolan Combs on. He's did the creator. Them? I did. I got them about a week ago. Oh, fun. Yeah. So we call these the anti-munchy mints. So, you know, the endocannabinoid receptors, you probably have heard of getting munchies when people smoke some weed, right? So this is the anti-munchy mint. And it is really helpful. And I like it because you can do it at night. So, you know, I try to stop eating by 7 p.m. and then I can have a mint later before bed if I find that I'm like wanting a little snack. So I think I haven't traveled with it yet, but I'm imagining it's going to be really helpful flying like a long flight. If you can just pop one of those mints oh, to help yeah. curve, like curb any cravings. I love that. I haven't used it yet, but it's already going in my travel bag. <laughs> yes. And it's so tiny. It's so tiny. It like fits in your jean pocket. Love We're it. all for tiny. Yeah. All the minis when traveling. Yeah. Maybe we should make a travel box. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Who wants a travel box? Let us know. That would be fun. Yeah. I find that that these things, supplements, my little hacks, my biohacking stuff is actually taking up way more of my suitcase these days. My clothes I've really reduced to almost nothing. I can wear the same outfit over and over again, but I need these other things to make sure that my immune system stays charged 
that I can get my sleep and that my mood and my decision juice stays nice and full. So we think it's worth it. Yeah. All right. Think that's a wrap. Biohackers, we hope you enjoyed this travel episode. If you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, or if you think we missed anything, reach out to us because we will certainly address it in a further episode. And if you have anything, big travel, any plans coming up soon that you're a little anxious, stressed about, reach out to us. We are here to help. And we thank you for tuning in. All right. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next time. Hey, biohackers. Thank you so much for staying until the end. And because you did, we have a very exciting announcement. For the next 90 days, we are giving free access to our seven-day Biohacker Babes Challenge. Each day includes a quick nutrition video, workout of the day, and actionables to keep you on track as we move further away from the new year. This is a great time to reinvest in your resolutions and bring a friend along for the ride. The offer will only be available for these 90 days or until the end of April. To access this challenge for free and to invite a friend, scroll down to the show notes and click the link. We will make sure you can't miss it. Happy biohacking. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with your physician or health care professional.